0: It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everybody. This is episode 106, and it's a special edition episode of the No Shock Off podcast, something Mike and I, I guess we've had different segments, obviously, but we're not going to really delve too much into what's going on in the high school basketball world currently. It's a look back. What better way to do it than look back here the first week of January of 2020. Mike, to look back at the decade that just passed, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into that Uh pretty heavily in this podcast
1: yeah I'm sure a lot of you have read Joe's stories that went up oh boy what was it more than a month ago now I believe on the uh maybe back back in October back on the websites you can search for them if you want to kind of follow along with this Joe ranked the best Illinois high school basketball players and teams of the decade so that's going to kind of be our source material and then since Joe is a lunatic he also (laughs) did a lot of research on some programs that emerged um, that we're going to get into over the last decade. Some really yeah, interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, in the
0: City Suburban Hoops Report research staff uh, was <laughs> hard at work. Yeah. I got a whole staff working for me, Mike, so it wasn't too much on me.
1: Oh, all right. You can't be. I, I could use a staff. Where, where do I get yeah. these people? I need yeah, somebody right. to, to count up out-of-state losses <laughs> for ranked, uh, ranked teams. Uh, we're we're going to hit uh, – we do have a couple questions that kind of came in right after we recorded last week because we recorded at a weird time, so we're going to hit those. Then we will take a really brief look at some things that happened over the last few days, and then we'll get into all the decade stuff, and then a look at the week ahead, which is pretty good, actually. So let's fire up these questions. First one is from Tom Arnolds, who uh, is a regular, a season ticket holder at Pontiac, who I see all, all every year during those three days. He has a question about Pontiac. He wants to know if the Pontiac Holiday Tournament should get rid of the criteria for the A.C. Williamson Award and just say it is the tournament MVP. In the program, and even during the announcement, it mentions this goes to the player that best exhibits the following, sportsmanlike conduct, leadership, Ability to perform under pressure, exemplary actions, hustle, and determination. And then Tom goes on to point out that uh, Ramian Hinton from Curie, who won the award this year, received one if not two technical fouls. He also questions a little bit um, how he was reacting to the cramping injury he had. Um, It's an interesting question. It's something that was talked about. I think it's worth addressing on the podcast. I've had a lot of people ask me about this because a lot of us me included just assumed Hinton wasn't going to win the award because of the technicals uh but then he did so I I don't know last year Dejuan Gordon did not win and everyone assumed that was because of sportsmanship because he was clearly the best player
0: yeah it's 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 one of the without I mean we we have praised Pontiac we have talked so much how much we love Pontiac it's one of the things I don't it's hard because there's so much tradition now built in to just discard it. Uh, I don't know if you can do that. I, I mean, if I could go back in history, I'd have two awards. I'd have this award, they award, and then I'd have a legitimate true MVP award. But now if you kind of just change it midstream of this historical tournament, then you got these names kind of mixed in with past names that are Reggie Lemons of the world. Uh, that those who don't know the Plainfield North guard, uh, not a big name, but has, wasn't a recipient of this word. So it, it's hard. It's tough to kind of differentiate if you had a change, not that we're making the decision into <laughs> changing the word, but, uh, yeah, it's not your traditional MVP, uh, tournament award.
1: Yeah. I feel like I didn't even hear anything about the sportsmanship aspect until Jeremy Richmond arrived in the scene and he did not win it in either one of his years. And there was a lot of talk about the sportsmanship issue. Um, So I kind of, in my head, it sort of changed midstream then. So I I don't know, this is not out of our hands. And I mean, the technicals that Hinton got, it wasn't like, I mean, he argued
0: demonstrative. type, Yeah.
1: A little bit over. It wasn't even, if anything, I'm more concerned about, the officiating at of Pontiac and the random enforcement of that because certain teams and players and coaches were able to get away with doing that, and then some weren't.
0: And that- well, there's no statistics that we can look this up, Mike, but I have said this before. I am almost – I could – I would go to Vegas and put money down that there's more technicals at Pontiac than any other place that I've ever been. <laughs> I mean, I just – did. it, I mean – over the course of my time going. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever gone to Pontiac without seeing the tea.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's are right. yeah.
0: So for whatever reason, you know, so I don't know if we can hold hold, hold the kids accountable for getting a tea when they're handing them out like candy. Uh, but that's, that's a different story. Yeah, the, um,
1: you're, that's a good point. The only thing I can even think of is, Terry Head in a Von Steuben Foreman game was guaranteed to get a. The over under was two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, you have. Speaking of some demonstrative, you know, actions from coaches, you see it a lot in the public league games, but they've also got a lot more leeway in a public league game. They're not, you know, so I, anyway, um,
1: What's the think, next question? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough one. Uh, next question is from Joseph Christensen, who may be a rookie. He says, um, oh, yeah, I always miss your call for questions. So I'm just sending this now. Do you think that both Evanston and Notre Dame are better teams as a result of the Louis LeMond transfer? It seems crazy to suggest that a vertically challenged team – that's Evanston, would be better after a high major player with good size transfers out, but Evanston is clearly thriving without him. His style of play seems to mesh much better at Notre Dame, and I think that Evanston's selfless ball movement and scrappy defense might work better with the personnel they have this season.
0: It's a good questions, good points. Uh, I, I definitely think Notre Dame is better with Louis Lesman in, in their lineup. The Evanston part, I don't think we'll ever know because I don't know if he ever was able to blend in fully, if you think about it. You know, he was, everybody doesn't know, he he moved here from France. So, I mean, that was adjustment, big-time adjustment for him. And so I I just think he was never fully ingrained into everything that is Evanston and what that program's doing, both maybe even culturally and and systematically. So I think it would have taken time. So you take away that part of it and it is tough to kind of figure out how good Evanston would be right now in my mind
1: yeah I mean that's true who knows you know if he could have adapted but in my my gut feeling is that Joe is totally right I think I mean I'll go even further and I thought this a lot last year I felt like this group of junior the core juniors at Evanston were going to be better when Lance Jones moved on because he just dominated the ball too much and. I think I've been proven correct. I think this Evanston team is better than last year's. Now, if Louie would have been able to kind of fit in, who knows eventually. But but I think that the way they they're playing right now Evanston, that either one of those guys might not have just fit as well. And I I think Notre Dame clearly, you know, has figured out how to how to work that a little bit better. But yeah, it's an interesting question. All right, that's it for the questions. Uh the week that just passed was full of not a whole lot uh, like 10 yeah, or 11
0: short short weeks, not many games. Play. yeah, yeah. Uh, what we took out of it is basically what we're gonna kind of skim through here in, in the podcast. Uh, you know I mean Curie dropped their first game one of three undefeated teams in the Chicago area. they, they lo- you know they lost to a team they had beaten previously this year back in early December I think, both about the same margins I, th- I believe. You know, I I did fully expected Curie to lose sometime this month. I didn't anticipate them. You know, they went through that grind of Pontiac, go on the road, travel. um, Then they bounced back and beat Muskegon on the road in Michigan. So that was a nice win. So I don't know what we can make of that or take from that.
1: I mean, we can just wonder why Curie played the same team from Mississippi twice in Kentucky.
0: (laughs) Correct. that's what yeah. makes it weirder. <laughs> yeah. I, I, You know, another out-of-state opponent, Mike uh, Thornton, went out-of-state to Michigan. And the only reason I bring this up is that they won by 18 or 20, I think. Uh, and I just got a couple of texts from college coaches that were at the game and asking me, A, about Brandon Hall, and two, uh, how, you know, Thornton looked really good, I guess. So, you know, we didn't see it. We don't know much about it. But – Couple college coaches did see it and uh, were impressed by how good Thornton and Brandon Hall looked in that out-of-state game.
1: And Saginaw, Michigan's usually a solid team, so that's um, and
0: and that's what they said too. Yeah. They said they beat a really good Michigan team pretty handily.
1: Yeah, but all of our teams keep, see, seem to keep beating Michigan teams handily. It's like the. Handily, that's the only state we can handle this year is Michigan teams. Go
0: north, don't go south.
1: Yeah, everybody else is messing with us, but not Michigan.
0: Yeah, Bloom Um, dropped two, uh, went two and two down in New Orleans, right? Yes, they were in the Uh,
1: Sugar Bowl, I think it is, uh, event. And they beat the Louisiana teams. They played by significant margins, I believe. And then they lost to teams from
0: Florida and
1: Kentucky. Yeah. So they were all fairly close the losses. So
0: I mean I this came up this week with some people talking about it. I mean you if you really want to figure out what the losses and wins and losses mean, you really got to do some homework and do some research. I've done this before try to figure out, you know, how to strength the schedule. Uh, how tough are these teams? And some of them are. They're very – you look at the scores, you look who they play, and they look at their talent. You're like, okay, this makes sense. They're very talented. But, boy, I mean, it's hard with as much as Mike and I are doing to really delve too deep into the out-of-state opponents. And that, that, that for me, becomes a little tricky and challenging.
1: Yeah, it's rough. And then you look at – I mean, Morgan Park, they played for last place in the beach ball classic, and they dominated that game – but they finished 15th. So what am I supposed to take from that?
0: And they won by 60. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean and, and and some of the losses too in the past. I've I've, you know, I mean if there's a team that I know and I've heard of and, I, and and I know for a fact they're really good, I mean more or less if somebody's ranked really high in the national rankings, you know, they're you know, but a lot of these teams aren't. And uh you know, you lose a tight one to a you know, remember that state championship young team? Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. I mean, they played just a meat grinder of an out-of-state schedule, right? And they lost a bunch of games that year. But Tyron Slaughter has not really cared about these losses ever. Um, <laughs> they, they, they've grown from these games, and uh, they they try to be ready by the time March rolls around. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, there's so many of them now that – it's hard. It used to be just kind of the powers that went out of state and played their five, six, seven, eight out of state games, and now you know, there's a lot of schools. I mean, Nutria went to you know Arizona, and Loyola goes to Florida, and a bunch of teams are going to Michigan. So it, it it is hard to kind of gauge one win, one loss from another.
1: All right, that's our. Uh... Exciting review of the week that yes. transpired in South Carolina, Louisiana, and Michigan.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna just get into this decade and look back at the decade. Uh, again, you know, you can go online and see, you know, the the top teams and top players. We're gonna hit these players first. And like, I just want to point out this decade in a look back. People may not think of it like this now because of the recent run of or lack of better words here, lack of talent, lack of high level talent. This decade was really special. The first half of this decade, uh, I think we had about a five year run where it could stack up against any decade. Uh, And that's just using the first five years. Now, the last four or five years have been weak. But from 2010 to 2015, Mike, I mean, just we're going to go through these names. The amount of high majors. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, there was fourteen high majors in 2011 alone, fourteen high majors in one class in 2011. Obviously, Anthony Davis was at the, at the top of that class, but guys like Jason Randall, Wayne Blackshirt, Ryan Boatwright, Sam Thompson, Nana Egwu, Frank Kaminsky, Abdel Nader, uh, you know, it went on and on and on. And then you know the, the decade started with the Ballyhood Jeremy Richmond, you know, in, in 2010, and there was several high majors in that class, and then. But the succession, Mike, that we saw there was unprecedented. I mean, Anthony Davis was number one at one time in 2011. or not one time, at the end. Jabari was at one time in 2013. Jaleel was in 2014. Three number one kids in a four-year stretch. And then that doesn't even include Cliff Alexander, a top five, and McDonald's All-Americans like Tyler Uless and Jalen Brunson. And so it it, it was – you know, mixed in there was 2012, which was a brutal class. But that 2010, 2011, 2013, 2014, 2015, those are five years of just special, special elite talent. And really, I'm going on my evaluation scouting service rant rant here, but 2016 through 2019 was really bad. Uh, And again, both in terms of High level, high major, because I'll get this all the time from people. Well, Joe, it's not all about that. High majors, everybody doesn't care about that. I know. But there's also a lack of depth. There has not been the significant amount of Division I players that we've grown accustomed to seeing in this state over decades. So that's been probably even more alarming, the the drop in number into the 20s and 30s Division one players in Illinois, when we are accustomed, everybody always asks me, Joe, how many do you average in Illinois? Well, my first 18 to 20 years of doing it, I would say the average is over 40, somewhere in the 40 to 45 range. And in the last four years, 2016, 17, 18, 19, I would say the average is about 28 to 32. Now, that does not include some of the JUCOs and prep school kids that will – turn into division ones, but that's the same case in those other classes too. So it is just a huge discrepancy, as you'll see in our rundown here of the top players, a discrepancy between the first half of the decade, which we were, I, I can say, I think we were spoiled and grown accustomed to it. And then it kind of brings you down. Not that it's just been void of talent, but it's been a big difference.
1: Yep. Definitely peaks and valleys. Uh, the, the first team of the all-decade team was, um, I think, fairly cut and dried once you acknowledge... And I know Joe and I had some discussions about this, what to do with Jeremy Richmond since he only played one year in the decade. Right. And these other guys had full careers. So I think once we decided to maybe not penalize, but to just say that he wasn't as much of a factor in the decade because he only
0: uh, Yeah, and, and you could say... <laughs> He, you know, you can't, I don't want to put a kid on a, on the two different decades, but he had more impact probably more than he did in the previous decade. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that's to your point.
1: So I think that makes sense. So the first team alphabetical order, Joe did not rank them. He's not that insane. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a, Ooh boy. Uh, Jalen Brunson, the guard out of Stevenson. I think that,
0: and that's a no brainer. Yeah. The, his resume is
1: impeccable. I mean, yeah, it, it,
0: and I remember writing a story, Mike, back when he was – as far as being decorated, you know, when you include everything from numbers to personal accomplishments to winning to accol- – I mean, all the accolades, he is one of the most decorated players, bar none, not just this decade, but in state history.
1: Yeah, and to me, one of the things that stands out – I mean, the, the scoring records – the all the things he did, but he he also did it for a program that was not a state powerhouse, you know, mm-hmm. and he brought the whole program up with him.
0: And know? monumental moments, yeah. some of those individual games, which everybody remembers, the 56 points he scored as a junior against Young in Peoria. Uh, but I mean, he had like you know 20, nearly 2,700 career points, and like you said putting a program on his back, getting him to Peoria, win, Peoria winning a state championship. Uh, yeah, it, it, he's... He was just a, a, a special, special player.
1: And the the Lake County, too, it was... You know, there some guys there that would have had... Who knows what they would have accomplished if Brunson wasn't around. You know, you think of the, the Lake Forest teams that basically only lost to Brunson. That's it, yeah. You know, Evan Boudreaux's team, yeah. yeah. And we've seen what he's done in college. I mean, he was just such a roadblock in that area that who knows what could have been accomplished by some other groups.
0: And a Lake Forest team program that really hasn't ever been able to. You know what I mean? That that was kind of their time. It's not like they're a household name. Here we have this great team. We don't lose to anybody. We've been built for this and this. Stupid Stevenson team just ruined it for us.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't like they dominated <laughs> them. Those are really close games. Yeah. You know, that they squeaked out. I remember there was, those were the ones I circled on the calendar you did not miss. <laughs> Lake Forest it, yeah.
0: Stevens. Well, that you know, yeah. in the story you'll read, Jalen Brunson had 57 points in a double overtime win over Lake Forest.
1: Yowza. <laughs> that is, uh, that's two uh, Loyola or Maine South games <laughs> all by himself. <laughs> um, next up, um, alphabetically. Um, A guy that's much more recent. A lot of the newer fans will remember. And I think some fans might be a little surprised. I think this Mm -hmm. is the surprise pick on the first team. EJ Liddell of Belleville West.
0: No question. I took the most, I don't want to say heat, but just in the feedback afterwards. But again, he's out of the Chicago area. I I, I don't think he was appreciated enough up here. But I think he kind of gained a little bit of that by that winning. I mean, the kid won back-to-back state titles, uh, and and his numbers come on, twenty-five hundred points, a thousand rebounds, um, <laughs> and and that doesn't even go into the mention, the aspect that he impacted the game almost as much as anything defensively. Uh, he he was just a dominant defensive player.
1: Yeah, I think I was one of those. I think my arc with EJ Liddell was strange. As a sophomore, I was kind of higher on him than most, and put him. Uh, like second team all state class 4 a cause his numbers were amazing. And I did not have anybody else close to that. So that was an easy pick. And then junior year, you know, I thought he played well and was great, but I didn't consider him like an all time dominant guy. But then once you win the two back to back state titles, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, what I, what I think or anybody else. And it's not like he had amazing players around him. You know on those teams he wasn't doing it with an all-star team mm-hmm. um so once you've won those two back-to-back titles that that kind of says it all for me that that's a guy that deserves it next up the big man Jaleel Okafor from young he was basically a sensation from freshman year on this is as with Brunson you know a complete no-brainer uh, it's, and it, I guess the interesting thing with him is now is, you know, a lot of success in college uh, briefly as he was there, but the NBA career has been interesting. I wonder what this is going to look like years from now.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, again, you're talking about a decorated player that went down as the number one player in the country who also won a state title. So that combination, and then he went and What's crazy is he won a national, national title at title. Duke <laughs> yeah. as a freshman. And then went to the – I mean, everything went according to plan, by the book, until, you know, after that rookie year. Um, you know, he kind of reinvented himself in the NBA a little bit. But, yeah, it's it's been a peculiar career. As, to a degree, are the next guy.
1: Yeah, True. next up, I will say on the whole list, to me, Okafor, at his best, could be the most dominant and maybe consistently hit those highs. I think more to me than even Jabari or Jeremy Richmond. Um, Dominant as a player. Yeah. Just high school games. There were, t- there were stretches where teams just couldn't do anything with that kid. He was,
0: he was unreal. I, I kind of feel that way about Brunson, to be honest, just because of when you needed a shot, the ball was in his hands and, and and he had the other thing he had Brunson and we didn't talk about this ultra competitive toughness to him man and so that's why I mean those numbers he put up that's why I I kind of felt that same way about him but
1: yeah I think because just because it's a guard thing you know yeah teams would have other guards that were scoring 30 but nobody had the Okafor thing uh, next yeah. up though Jabari Parker from Simeon everyone knows all about Jabari Sports Illustrated cover, won four state titles. Depends how much credit you want to give him for the first, but he was on the team.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, there's not much debate, much not. Between. I mean, he came in as probably the most hyped player I've ever seen in high school in Illinois. Um, and hey, I mean, Jesus backed it up. You know, four state titles for a loaded program, uh, but. And he and he didn't. His his numbers were always more steady, consistent, very good than these astronomical numbers. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and he battled some injuries.
0: You know? Yeah, and it, yeah. That's that's the one thing. If you look back, his senior year, I don't think we ever saw no, no, we didn't anywhere close to what the real Jabari Parker what he you know he got injured he gained some weight he worked his way back he kind of kind of weathered the storm a little bit and was not kind of the player he was prior to that injury uh, until later as a you know he got fully healthy
1: yeah had a surprise comeback and wasn't right and in, in, in a way it's kind of a shame that we never got to see peak senior year right Jabari Parker
0: 100%. It's like uh, you kind of got shafted by seeing one of the all-time greats at his best and as a high school player.
1: Still managed to, you know, win everything. <laughs> right. That was senior year. Next up, um, a guy who, boy, looking at the list, you know, quickly, I think there's only – but pl- oh, Anthony Davis is a weird case but on the first team this guy Tyler Uless from Marian Catholic is definitely the only person that sophomore year if you would have said he's going to be on a team of the decade people would have looked at you crazy
0: <laughs> I agree uh you know everybody I, I just was a at a Huge affinity for Tyler Ulysses very early. I, I put out a big story. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I did do a big, huge, high-major thing as a sophomore. And it, that, that to me, is just something that you kind of just have a belief in. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. But I, I, but as far as all decade, yes, as a sophomore. Um, but what he did as a junior and senior is is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, he he was not only that, but he was probably one of the most fun players. Yeah. That I that that not just that, you know, when you get to a gym and you're going to a game and you're headed into a game, and all these stars are great to watch and it's it's fun. But I would genuinely get excited about watching Tyler Eulis play basketball.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. He is of all the guys on the first team, he is by far was my favorite to watch. It I was, agree. He was. It was it was odd. there's a guy in the second team <laughs> that's the same way. But Tyler Ewles, the way he played basketball, and you know, it's the way he had to play basketball because just his physical size. You know, he he had there was just no way to cheat. You couldn't make up for everything. Everything had to be so perfect and kind of almost spectacular. And with him, it it almost always was. I'll never forget the time at Bennett when uh, he needed a four point play to tie with like three seconds left. They were inbounding. And there was no final minute back then. Oh, I wish there was, <laughs> but um, yeah. I remember, I think I tweeted it out though, even um, that, you know, they need a four point play. I wonder if you'll manage. And he did. He managed to hit the three and get fouled and hit the, the free. It, was, it was unbelievable. He was an unbelievable player. And it's a, the shame for Tyler Uless is that, and I wonder if how many people around the state question this pick Joe, just because he never got to state and we never got to see him play in Peoria.
0: Right. Lost back to back super sectionals and the senior year he i he was like walking wounded though he he was playing with the turf toe I think Uh, I believe that was the injury and you know they lost two I believe one was overtime at, at the ISU super sectional yeah and so yeah you're right I mean and you know the dipper was a great tournament at the time but not still not one that it's, it's, everybody knows, you know, that was more local flavor feel. It wasn't quite like Pontiac and Proviso where the masses come to from, you know, basketball fans. So, yeah, he just never had that. You know, he, he played in that, that showdown in my the event, Jalen uh, Brunson yeah. versus Tyler Eulis which, you know, kind of was a wash between the two. So I, yeah, he, um but boy, I, I. What I found even more surprising, though, you know, I said he was a high major. I didn't anticipate him having the career that he had in such a short time at Kentucky. He was SEC player of the year as a sophomore. And, um, you know, he went he left college after two years. I would have never have guessed that.
1: No. Yeah. Me neither. Like I used to argue with people that didn't think he could play you know, in the big 10 or the high majors. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Of course he can yeah. but I, I as well did not picture him at one of the blue bloods.
0: <laughs> I mean, one of the best players. Well, the and dominated. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was yeah. wild.
0: The I second team. I, hold on. Well, I want one more yeah. useless
1: thing. I, Cause I think a lot of people might think, I, I know the answer to this, but a lot of people might think that because of that college success and the fact that he made the NBA, the looking back that got him here. But I know that I feel like he was a top 5 player even if he went to Iowa and was a middling Big 10 player. And I I'm, I'm guessing you felt the same on the high school. Oh now. yeah.
0: I, mean, I I you know, well, and he ended up being a top 30, top 25 player in the country. You know, he I mean if people but he, don't But even if the, he
1: wasn't, just based on high school career.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the 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 dynamic ability that he had of, he had this unbelievable way of putting up big numbers. Yes. He averaged, you know, whatever, 23, 24 points a game scored, 2300 points in his career, but he had this uncanny ability of making every single player around him better. And that is hard to do. You know, you know, it's hard to do period as a point guard, but also when you are the catalyst and the scoring and the go-to guy, And you are combining the ability to make people better and facilitate with this dynamic scoring ability that he had.
1: Oh, yeah. He and Derek Rose were the two guys who they would basically in the first half try not to score. You know, they would go out of their way to make sure that the other guys who needed to get into the game and get hot for them to win did that. And then in the second half, when it was time you know, they do their thing as you, as you guys can probably tell, we could talk about Tyler Eulis for a long time (laughs) on this podcast, but I'll stop now, even though I don't really want to, uh, second team, um, alphabetically as well. Remember the big man, Cliff Alexander from Curie who upset Jabari Parker and, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Jalil Okafor for the, uh, player of the year by the Sun times his senior year, uh, yeah, Lille Okafor won a junior year when they were juniors, but Cliff outplayed Okafor in the city title game and won, and he's on the second team.
0: And, I, you know, I wrote about it in the story, Mike, about a memorable performance at Pontiac, and it was the game where he had, I think it was recorded, 10 dunks against West Aurora in a semifinal, including a buzzer-beating dunk. I think it was a follow-up dunk with the buzzer. And it was like a... 10 dunk game that felt like 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I just remember watching, like, oh, it was just, and every one of them was this just thunderous, ooing and eyeing rim rattling dunks. And not that that put him on the team. It's just uh, one note of, of you know, he, he had a terrific career in the latter part of his career. He wasn't an instant star as a freshman like some of these other guys. But there's no question his junior and senior year that, you know, the massive production to go with, you know, they had some success. They had some, you know, a little bit of a scandal disrupted the, the senior year. But, yeah, it, it's – he he was a no-brainer to include on this list. Yeah,
1: that's a real shame, the senior year playoff run. You know, Curry had the best team in the city that senior year, and there was a lot of – you can probably go back and hear about it on old podcasts. We don't have the time to get into it here, but it was through no fault of Cliff Alexander or his teammates. A lot of CPS paperwork where they held Curie to a different standard than literally every single other team and so ruled them ineligible. And they went to DuSable for the regional. and I forget who they played now, but I think Cliff and only one other starter played. In that game, so they lost in the regional semi, and that was it for Cliff Alexander's career. I would, I mean, there can't be a bigger star that had a more, how do I, how to phrase it? Shocking,
0: fizz. yeah, <laughs> a, fizz, a yeah. such a, not even shocking how quickly. Do you know what I mean? I mean, oh, it, yeah, it's it, it just like from that moment, really. I still from look that at moment on, and then he, oh, his
1: whole like his whole career went down. But the pictures we have of that are so like he was so shocked that they lost, even though they were shorthanded. He ha- his parents are shielding his head, his face while he is running off the court. Right. as It ended. And like from then on, everything just seemed to go against cliff.
0: Yeah. Including this career, at Kansas.
1: Yeah, it was just, it was rough, but man, was he, he was a, Heck of a, it was an absolute <laughs> monster,
0: a freak of nature. <laughs> yes. You know, at the high school level.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, next up, my favorite on the second team, East Aurora's Ryan Boatright. We called it the Boat Show. It, it was an, he was fabulous, and
0: I would go as far as saying he two things, Mike. One, if I had to pick one, the if you had to label the most exciting player of the decade, I go Ryan Boatright think you would
1: yeah oh yeah Just, yeah definitely and then
0: two maybe more so than any well there's one more we're gonna get to that that for other reasons but was a little underappreciated of of, of as, as far as a star and i think that's a couple of things one he never played you we, you talked about tyler ulis not being in th- there's no player on this list who played uh at, at this level for this long because he instantly as a freshman. He was a dynamic player who was never seen, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, no one, the high school basketball fans, I was fortunate. I was in his backyard. So I, I you know, on a dead. And this is what shows how much you love watching a player on a dead night when there was nowhere to go and there was no games. Easter or be playing somebody you'd really didn't care about watching. And I would go and take the short drive and go watch him. Uh, a lot of people never saw him, like literally didn't see him play. Yeah, And that, that you know, but boy, from, from, from just a, a, a pure domination with the ball and no player was faster from end to end, no one, uh, than Ryan Boatwright. And uh, Boatwright, Derek Rose from end to end are, are at, a, at, a, at a league and a class of their own in high school basketball in Illinois.
1: Yeah, he was something else. He was like our own little Allen Iverson of the uh, 2010s. It was amazing. He That was not a great year overall for me, high school basketball-wise. And Boatwright, as you said, I would just go watch him whenever I needed a pick-me-up.
0: Why, wait, why wasn't that a good year?
1: It just wasn't. I don't know. It was the Wayne Blackshear Boatwright year. The, the teams just weren't, I don't know. I didn't like it.
0: Mm. Yeah. I kind of liked the year
1: bennett simeon stuff and
0: well i just there's just so many players to watch that's what i liked
1: yeah i don't know that besides for boat right uh it kind of left me cold and that takes us to the next man anthony davis from perspectives msa people you know are probably gonna freak out that he's on the second team but it's a lot like the uh case of jeremy richmond we haven't gotten to yet but we'll talk about but it was just basically a one year
0: but impact. but not even that to me mike uh, and I did take the most, uh, you know. Heat. L- 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 Liddell being on the first team was probably the most for somebody beat be on the first team. But basically, I think part of that was Chicago area versus, you know, downstate. But this one was, Joe, how is he not? How is this guy not? He's one of the best players in the NBA. Well, I'd, I could care less if he's one of the best players in the NBA when I'm picking my all-decade high school team. And Mike made one point. You made it that he only played one year. Yes. But he also. Didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, even that year, I mean, they didn't win. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. they the high school team. They they tried to upgrade their schedule, which is I applaud them to get them some. But but nonetheless, they how many games did they win? I, I can't remember. Six. But oh, six. They were six um, and nineteen. So, you know, I just. You know, these other guys kind of put their teams on the back. and Now, yeah. granted, if anybody saw Anthony Davis's team, I mean, they weren't very good. But I, this goes without saying that the – and I, I remember writing a big story on this too at one point. No player was seen less for being <laughs> this ridiculously talented player than Anthony Davis because nobody had heard of him prior to his, you know, end of his junior year, spring of his junior year. So no one's seen him play and i still remember this story as a junior I don't, I don't know what part of the junior year it was but there was a division 3 coach that was watching a team play for his own purposes of scouting a, a senior and they were playing anthony davis's team who anthony was a junior at the time and the division 3 coach texted me in the middle of the game and asked about Anthony Davis. And I said, I really don't know much about him. Uh, And he would say, I think he's going to be a really nice player. (laughs) You know, four months later or three months later, whatever it was, he was the number one player in the country. Uh, That's just remarkable. And no one saw him. And then, I mean, they played in somewhere. I remember they played a game at UIC or somewhere at the beginning of the year or or some shootout or event. They
1: played a game on ESPN. On some in some event, yeah, at something I was not.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So I just, I mean, no one saw him. It, it, it was really, it's really weird to think about. And you know, he's an unbelievable talent, uh, obviously. But I, it, there was no way I could put him on the first team in my mind.
1: Yeah, just a late bloomer, you know, that, that came around, and then that senior year was weird. Then we go to from Rock Island, Chaseon Randall.
0: Guy has to be the most underrated player that or or I should say least appreciated player cuz i mean he wasn't ultra flashy uh he wasn't he, but he he won a state title he put up huge numbers and he you know is is the best player to come out of a pretty pretty well respected high school basketball uh program So, you know, I I just think he, again, the Chicago area kind of poo-poo sometimes. You know what I mean? You almost have to do more when you're from outside the Chicago area with Chicago area fans. And I I just think he was a little bit underappreciated.
1: Yeah, he's one I never understood. I still don't get it. Um, I thought he was a nice player. My excitement's muted, <laughs> Jason Randall. I probably would have, if it was up to me. This is the one. I probably would have gone with Jordan Goodwin. Um,
0: and the, they're they're. I I do not disagree with you, and I actually, if Jordan Goodwin would have finished out his senior year, yeah. If anybody remembered, I mean Jordan Goodwin didn't play his second half of his senior year, uh, with injury and. I mean, if Jordan Goodwin continues the path he was on, followed up his junior year with identical senior year, maybe another state title, yeah. I mean, Jordan Goodwin is going to be, I, I 100% agree that he was, you know, I can't remember how I was doing this. And I, I did go back and forth on some guys, and I full heartedly re- remember Jordan Goodwin being you know, right there on that, on that bubble. Um, so yeah, I just, man, Mike, when you don't play your senior year or finish it out and you miss half the season, it's, it's hard. Stuff,
1: to, yeah. He, he was just such an impact to me. He was when he yes. was around, but I can don't see me. if you're going to look at law and resume and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I understand why Randall is on it. Um, it's not like a big pick there, but um, yeah,
0: is Jordan going to a note real quick. He, I just read a thing on a a story this week and, and it's just a, he epitomizes what he was as a high school player too. He is the only player. I'm kind of guessing the numbers here. He, he's like I think he's fifth or sixth or something in the country in rebounding right now as oh, a wow. six three six three guard. <laughs> oh my goodness! And <laughs> he's the only player at six three or shorter that's in the top fifty in rebounding. And he's like fifth or sixth or something. So it's just pretty remarkable. It's like. 10.7 rebounds a game or that something like that
1: wild. yeah i haven't heard much of it mean, i don't pay a ton of attention to college basketball but yeah he was such a stat sheet stuffer in oh. high school my like six categories you'd look across and it was like goodness. yes tough rugged physical
0: just this brute force yeah, yeah he was he was good
1: you yeah, know people always accused of not like appreciating or caring about downstate players my absolute love of jordan goodwin and terrence hargrove <laughs> over the last few years I mean, they were just two of the best players I've seen. In yeah, and
0: I and mine was Goodwin and Liddell. Yeah. I mean, I just you know, and uh, I, you know, when they're legit, I mean, I, I've that's it's I think it's a little bit overblown of the star players that are. I know they. I, I've talked to them down in Southern Illinois, and I, I get their their angst, but uh, at least when it comes to me, and I think to you know to you as well. I mean when they when we when and I see them more in AAU and stuff than Mike does, but man, when they're legit, I think we kind of pump them up pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, and and I can dislike local stars just as much as out of area stars <laughs> game-wise, let me tell you. Yeah. So, I wouldn't worry about that. And let's wrap it up. I think it's kind of fitting that he he wraps it up. Jeremy Richmond of Waukegan, who in a, lo- <laughs> a lot of ways was Boy, if you had to pick like the actual big the stars in my coverage time in my two decades, it would be what, Rose
0: Rose and Richmond. It Rose and Jabari no Shire. Be, yeah, yeah, it be yeah, Rose
1: yeah, yeah. Shire, Richmond and Jabari would be the, the Mount Rushmore <laughs> yep. of basketball.
0: Uh, of of hype and yeah. fanfare and Yeah. And then for me, the years I started, I had Ronnie Field, so I would probably put yeah. him, you know, in that five.
1: No doubt. But Richmond, I mean, back to back sometimes player of the year award winner. First since Quinn Buckner. I think it's if you weren't around then paying attention, it's kind of hard to realize what a sensation he was. A lot of it was because of an early commitment. What Thanksgiving of freshman year to mm-hmm. to Illinois. And so that just put the spotlight on him from a, a program that was starving for its next savior. And then a lot of ways Richmond on the court lived up to the hype. Um, nearly winning two state titles, but kind of win- but then winning none. <laughs> um, so much drama. So many great moments. None better than the game winner in the sectionals, in the dog pound, from half court to beat Brandon, Paul, and Warren. Just a, a spectacular all-around career.
0: Probably the player on the list that you, if you could have a tell-all book written on, it'd be Jeremy Richmond.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: Um, it'd be fun. I think it'd be a good book.
1: Yeah. Also the one who, I mean, clearly, you know, Lincolnshire and Stevenson was excited about those teams. I wasn't around Belleville, so I can't say what went on there. Uh, Marion Catholic doesn't really have kind of an Easter Aurora, didn't have the team success really. I think my point here is Richmond and Waukegan, it was just in that town. It was unbelievable. I mean, they had downtown, they had the – like five streets near the gym, all named, like honorary named after the starters. And The the lines outside the gym for the, the tickets to the Joaquin games, it was a complete and utter sensation.
0: Yeah, it was a show. Yeah. I mean, it, it really was. Uh, but, yeah, now uh, on to some teams, which – W- 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 was, to be honest, was way harder.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it must have been. <laughs> yeah. Way,
0: way more yeah. difficult. Yeah. And I don't want people to think I just haphazardly threw this together. I mean, what I dug into and researched and what I weighed this against that. And then at the end of the, you know, all the, the eye test. uh it, <laughs> It's not like I'm going to sit here and argue and debate between, you know, certain numbers between these teams. So, and these things flowed back and forth over the course before I finally put out the top 13. So, yeah, I, I, you know, if Mike has opinions, he he would rank. There's no one, basically what I'm saying is, I don't think anyone who fouls it closely would, if you put these 13 teams out there and rank them, I don't know if anybody would have, the identical no one would have the identical one through 13 in that order
1: yeah no it would be tough um and i have such a bad memory for stuff like this you know that it's it's tough for me to even kind of going back later wrapping my head around it i think when you first you know sent over the list kind of the only even nitpick i was able to come up with was it was it the belleville Altov team that i liked and waukegan i think those two
0: yeah uh yeah and there was one and, and and this is what you do on these things. You get some opinions, you talk and 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 one of them you raised my attention to. I remember, I can't remember now because whatever, but and i they I guess we could have called it the O'Brien bump because uh, I did, you know, I I looked deeper and figured some more things out with them. and I think it might have been the 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 Waukegan Waukegan team, team that team, that yeah. I, that I had bumped up, uh, which we'll get to here in a minute, but uh, number one, I was pretty. I, I don't. I, I I don't know if you disagree or could debate it, but I, I had no problem going number one with that Simeon team of 2013 simply because the talent. I mean, <laughs> if you go through this list of talent, it's you know starts with Jabari Parker, and these were seniors, and we did talk about Jabari not quite being the dominant player that we. we we, we thought he would be as a senior, but Kendrick Nunn, Jalen Tate, Russell Woods, Kendall Pollard, uh all played at high level college basketball. And then the ridiculous lower level guys in the younger yeah, age the killer, yeah. That yeah. that played smaller roles, um you know, DJ Williams, Ed Morrow, Dante Ingram who was you know, star at Loyola, Zach Norvell who was an All-American at Gonzaga. <laughs> I, I I mean, it's just – I don't know if there's ever been – I mean, this would take a lot of research, but I don't know if there's ever been more star-studded individual talent in one program at one time than right here in 2013, 2012, 2013, Simeon.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. There, it's almost impossible that there has ever been a high school team in Chicago – or sorry in the state that went on that's members went on to have this much college success we will say you know post high school the, there's just too many number it, the number is insane i mean yeah right unbelievable um yeah no nitpicking for me uh number two was 2014 whitney young
0: another one i didn't really have a problem i mean i don't know if I said you can argue almost all, but I can't argue these first two with anyone because I just believe that these two are the best two high school basketball teams I saw. For what you said in the player part, where Julie Lokafor was just that dominating. Now this team did not absolutely, you know, crush and dominate like maybe you would expect. Uh, but their schedule was loaded. You know, they had. Julie Loke for <laughs> it, it, it just was a team that, you know, it, it's really hard to define what a big man, because nobody has that in high school basketball. And for you to try to, like, overcome that alone, to me, was ugh, just a huge thing. Paul White, obviously, was had a really nice career at Georgetown and Oregon. You know, there wasn't a lot of depth to this team, though.
1: Yeah, this one, you know, I'm not going to nitpick these rankings. I think they could easily be number two, but, and you're never going to know. But to me, Curie was better that year. And it's, it just, I can't get the city title game out of my head. What was it? Triple overtime Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: Curie won. But then we never got, then, as we talked about earlier, that team didn't get to play in the playoffs, basically. And then Young goes on to win the state title. So how are you going to argue with that? But my last memory of that, these two teams will always be Curie beating them in the city champ and that was not a city championship game that anyone can ever say no one cared about (laughs) it was a huge game so that's my only nitpick but then they went out and you know they can't control that curie didn't get to play in the playoffs you know they went out and took care of business in the playoffs and beat some great teams you know yeah yeah and you know
0: it's just hard with that curie's on this list but it, it was just hard when you don't have that you know that kind of uh
1: the playoff run you didn't beat stevenson and bennett you know to go on and win so i so i totally get why they are there um yeah number three really interesting team 2013 morgan park
0: i mean this was a you know the backcourt jumps out at you kyle davis billy garrett you know uh underrated guy in that team Marquis williams uh a, a small guard uh you know, and and then they had some underclassmen that we talked about earlier with that Simeon group. You know, they had Josh Cunningham and Charlie Moore. So th- this is a heck of a team. You yeah. know, I, I think the best of the Morgan Park teams. You know, I think uh, you know the you know I think Nick Irvin would agree with that. You know, I, I you know and I did I talked to a lot of these coaches too that had multiple teams that could be in these t- in this list, and you know I picked their brain as well. But uh, yeah, I, I they were a In in the story, and I just pulled it up here, what they did to some teams, they they beat, and these were some ranked good teams in the regular season. They beat Proviso East by 25. They beat Bogan by 31 and 21. They beat Stevenson by 15. Uh, So, you know, they lost three games all season, Mike. Young, Simeon, and National Power Bishop Gorman out of Vegas by a total of nine points. So that is, you know... The 3A state champs, the only thing I is you kind of wish, you know, you got 2013, four classes was still relatively new, and you had the number one team on here, Simeon, and the number three team, Morgan Park, and, you know, they're 3A and 4A state champs. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Whoops. Ah, what a shame. Yeah, that team was was excellent, no doubt about it. And the bench guys, guys like Lamont Walker and Charlie Moore, kind of, I guess, had more of an impact on this team than those guys we talked about on the Simeon team. That's number one. You know, they were younger. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the depth on this team was really, really nice. And just some killers, no doubt. Billy Garrett was such a winner in high school. Um, Really tough player. I think a really underrated high school career, Billy Garrett, junior head. Um, number four, I mean, this is kind of an iconic team, especially in Lake County, 2015 Stevenson. I mean, how do you, they were the preseason number one.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and not only did they have the star Jalen Brunson and another division one player in Connor Cashaw and a future division one player who's at Indiana right now and Justin Smith, but they really were your traditional high school basketball team. You know, uh, well-coached. So that's another factor, too. You know, a lot of these teams. You know, I mean, Pat Ambrose has established himself as one of the elite coaches in high school basketball in Illinois. He took a team downstate that had no stars, you know, several years earlier, and then really maximized this this star-laden group here. And, you know, they played well together. They defended well. They were tough. Uh, which you need all those ingredients to win a state title, and and they did.
1: Yeah, Matt Johnson was kind of the uh, son of a gun in that team that they really yeah. needed to compete with a lot of the public league teams. Uh, number five, 2013 Proviso East, another team from uh, 2013.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, this is another loaded from talent. I mean, I, I, you think about their college career. Stillian Brown went to went on to play in the NBA. Paris Lee was the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. And then Javon Carter, who was a junior on this team, became an All-American at West Virginia. Uh, the downside is they didn't win his title. But, uh, you know, they, they, they won 30 games and lost to what was the number one team on this list, um, Simeon. So, I mean, that's a heck of a 2013 season, Mike, with you got three of the top five teams of the decade playing – All in the same season.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people, this would be a surprise to some people. And I think, in a way, that's a little bit this team's own fault. You know, the high profile game, Elite Classic, they lose to Lone Peak. Then, as you talk about in the story, they lost to Oswego. I'm sure that killed their ranking, um, you know, over Thanksgiving. Yeah,
0: I was at that game. Um, (laughs) It was stunning. Uh, But and, and then they got drilled by Lone Peak, actually. All Sterling Brown oh, did, yeah. not, did not play. And Lone Peak was
1: it was amazing. One of the best phenomenal teams we've too. ever seen. And then they, they yeah. got killed by Morgan Park later in the year. But but what I will remember from this team was at State just how good they were. You know, in Peoria. Right. They might have lost, but anything I thought about them, and I was a bit of a doubter because of those hiccups. They, mm-hmm. It was washed away by their performance in Peoria, even though they didn't pull it off. It was all clear just how good that team was that weekend.
0: Yeah. And I could see somebody, you know, in, in in discussing high school basketball and debating this one. Uh this would be debatable. Uh number six, though, so, again, we get into I was surprised Mike at our the next two. Yeah. <laughs> again, I I know most of our followers and listeners and all that and readers are are in the Chicago area. But man, I I, I the outrage I got from people that I had the next two in here this high was was surprising to me
1: yeah 2018 Belleville West I mean Ah. they were better than last year's team I think that's sure
0: um yeah yeah I mean I I I mean they they EJ Liddell was fantastic as a as a junior and senior dominating both years but the supporting cast you know, the supporting cast was clearly better in the, his junior year than the senior year, uh, and, and I think they were more dominating.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, I would, I might have flipped these two. I would have gone maybe I like this twenty sixteen Belleville Altoff team a little bit more because I am a Jordan Goodwin fanboy, as has been previously yeah, documented.
0: And, and you know what I did on Mike on this too, and and I, I did, you know, I three, four different people in Southern Illinois that I did, you know, I went on my own, but I also wanted to get their input. And it was unanimous that, that everybody did take the Belleville West team from the Southern Illinois people that I talked to. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, again, you could debate cause this was a heck of a, you know, number seven Belleville altoff three uh, a state champs with Jordan Goodwood leading the way as a junior. And, but they had Tarkas Ferguson, who's had a great career at, uh, UIC, you know Brennan Gooch, uh, guys, you know supporting casts were pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think they got hurt by not getting to play. What was it? Lincoln Way West was in the title game. Was that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a. Yeah, it was not a good. If that would have four, been Morgan
1: Park, yeah. Who knows? But yeah. yeah, that that wasn't great for them. Uh, number eight, 2012 Simeon, Steve Taylor, Jabari yeah, Jabari Parker.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it's the junior group that fueled this team. Yeah, you know, Parker, Nunn, and Pollard, uh, they they raised this team to that level.
1: And uh, 2014, Curie checks in at number nine. Um, the fabulous team that went down in strange fashion. It's good to see that Mike Oliver rebounded really well after this group left because everybody I think kind of thought this was going to be his best group. True. Ever? Yeah. And- he didn't let that happen. He uh, accomplished, went out and accomplished more after right. these kids left, which is pretty amazing, especially for a high school program and coach, usually when you get something like that.
0: Well, that, that, that 2014 team put them at a different level as a program, yeah. and to Mike Oliver's credit, that program has stayed there for the next five years.
1: Number 10, 2010 Waukegan. To me, maybe the best team on this list that didn't win a title.
0: Yeah, um, I mean them and them and, and y'all you know, that and that provides the least team that I had I had higher, but yeah, yeah th- this was a fun a, a fun team to watch too. Uh, I love this team. Yeah. Akeem Springs, Quan Connor, Eric Johnson, Mike Springs. That's a good group around around a superstar and Jeremy Richmond.
1: Yeah, Quan Connor was a heck of a player that um didn't hear much yeah. about afterwards. <laughs> <kind> yeah, of... <laughs>
0: and and the oh, wow. other. Part of this, people go back and haven't read this st- stuff. Some fantastic photos. Um, I'm just pulled oh, it up yeah. now and looking. There's a Jeremy Richman photo. He, he's dunking over Sam Thompson. It was a, a charge. A, it, 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 <laughs> for, I, I remember <laughs> yeah. the ex, exact play when you are in Peoria. I remember that play and some some cool photos. A uh, number eleven. I'll lead in because I know Mike. We'll, Bennett, and, yes. We'll, I think you disagreed uh at one point or when we discussed it.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't have had this team in my rankings,
0: but Yeah. I mean if people remember they went undefeated all year long, beat Simeon, and then the boat show took out Bennett in the sectional. In one of the one of the coolest games I've been at. Uh were you at that game? Oh Bennett, yes. East yeah,
1: yeah, I was at that
0: game. Yeah. Uh the electricity and energy and the venom <laughs> that, that was in that gym, which is this, 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 uh, team that everybody's raving about against the player that everybody, you know, and in that gym, when that's full, it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. And anybody who doesn't think that suburban games can get as heated as city games, Every once in a while, <laughs> they pop up. And yeah. That Ben Easter horror game was certainly one. Uh, number 12 is 2019 Belleville West, who you better remember pretty well <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, back-to-back state championships it says something to me, you know. Uh, and, and the bulk of that team did return. Um, but, they, you know, they lost a key player, you know, from that previous team, Belleville West, but they 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 had a great supporting cast again around a superstar player and they went they were very professional and businesslike when you ever watched Belleville West play.
1: And number 13, the last one uh ranked here 2012 Proviso East.
0: I mean, I, that's a lot of talent churning through Proviso East and a lot of wins <laughs> without a state title. Now this this one was undefeated going into the state championship game and lost in that title game. So finished thirty two and one. Very some of some of the same names we talked about in the previous team, but you also can add Keith Carter and Paris Burns, uh, two guards. You know, I just remember these th- stuck out to me, Mike, with these two teams. He provides all these proviso- teams. as just the sheer speed they played with. Oh yes. They were so fast, so quick, so tenacious, you know, defensively putting pressure on you and, uh, again. Fun teams to watch.
1: Um, teams just missed 2011 Simeon, which was the sophomore year for Jabari and Nunn. 2014 Morgan Park. Uh, Josh Cunningham was a senior. That's when Charlie Moore kind of took off a little bit as a sophomore. Then the junior years of Jalen Brunson and Tyler Eulis. 2014 Stevenson and Marion Catholic. Um, both really excellent teams. And then one I think that m- I think some people might have wanted on the list. I'm guessing you heard, Joe. 2018 or...
0: Yeah, I mean, um, they're on here, obviously in that next group. You could have stuck them on there. Um, I, I, and they're the best, clearly, of the Orr teams. Yeah,
1: and it's hard, no it's hard to tell with the two A stuff.
0: But you know? yeah, I, I just want to always see the the postseason run.
1: Yeah, I, no doubt. I think they fall into the same problem with the you know the Curie team, Cliff senior year. You yeah, know, you it, don't get just... the big four A postseason right. run.
0: And right. It's just, and you, you, yeah. there's not the 2 3 memorable wins to put in your resume and but yeah, I mean there were they're clearly deserving of being on this list. They just didn't quite make that top 13.
1: I guess for everybody that, you know, is upset about public teams dropping into one a and two a, they'll never get their decade due. If they don't play, <laughs> yeah. we've finally found when it counts,
0: <laughs> they will get their titles, but they're not going to get Hendrickson's <laughs> yeah. decade award.
1: That's right. In 2029,
0: 20, uh, <laughs> they're not
1: getting on the list. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, now back to current basketball.
1: <laughs> um, or do you want to hit the arrivals, Joe? Or too oh, long? yeah, I yeah. forgot. Yeah, you did a Since lot of work. we the work.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll go through these. and I just want a, a caveat here. It, I mean, these were teams that I, I based on that uh, kind of different categories. One, programs that we are aware of and then we knew and they were solid in quality, but they clearly went to the next level. And then non-existent programs that really put together some things. And, and, and I'll, I'll zip through these quickly and then Mike can – you know, offer anything he wants if he needs to or wants to. But the first one on the list, under not in any order, I just – they're in random order. But Marion Catholic, and, and real quick, pri- in 48 seasons, Mike, prior to the decade, they had two 20-win seasons and three regional titles. And two of those came with, under Coach Mike Taylor. So basically before the Taylor years, one regional title in 40-plus years. And then in the decade, they've had five 20 plus win seasons. They won five regionals, three sectionals. uh, After the Eulis years, after the Tyler Eulis years, they finished third in class 3A. Uh, They had Tyler Eulis. They averaged 20 wins in the decade for a program that was just basically non existent, pitiful. And you averaged 20 wins over the course of the decade.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. This team, and Bennett is on here as well, not to blow it, but. I mean, Saint Joseph basically left the East Suburban Catholics so they could go play some real competition in the Catholic League. The East Suburban well, Catholic was kind of a joke, basketball wise. It was not a great basketball conference, and boy, has that changed thanks to. Our- I
0: ramped it up. Yeah. Uh, another one, Bullenbrook. You know, prior to the decade, school history: three total regional titles and one sectional came in 1985. In the past decade, that had six 21 seasons. You know, and all those years, they won one sectional. This last 10, they've won three sectionals. They also averaged 20 wins a year, and they made it to Peoria twice, took them a third-place finish in 2015 and 2017, and they've really kind of made themselves a perennial power in the Chicago area.
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of population issues there, too. Bolingbrook is not the same town it was you know, 10, 15 years ago, so that, that definitely yep. helped. Not to take away from the job Rob Brost has done, but um, – yep. A lot of these teams don't have that kind of bump.
0: Yeah, the next team program is a little different because they were a power for a while and then went away for a quarter of a century. Bennett, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bennett was a terrific basketball program in the 70s throughout, you know, uh, throughout to, to the mid 1980s, and then they had this 20-25 year stretch of not a whole lot. Then Gene Heidkamp took over in 2008-2009, just before the decade began. And boy, (laughs) in the last 10 years, they've had 10 straight 20 plus win seasons. That's an average of 25.5 wins a year throughout the decade. Six regional titles, four sectionals. You know, they went to state twice, just falling short with two state runner up finishes. Uh, And that also included the 29 and one team in 2010, 2011 that didn't reach state, that probably. From a talent perspective, was the best team in Bennett uh, that Bennett's ever had. So, you know they've they've arrived. They're not going anywhere. It's become a program, and, and without churning out, I mean they've had Sean O'Mara and Colin Bonnet. No. <laughs> I know I he's mean, not what you're saying. I mean, uh, the big, you know what I mean? There's yeah. not Kaminsky. They, uh, they've yeah. played and competed against anybody, and they've had Soboluski, Kaminsky, and O'Mara. Maybe I miss one more, but that's the it for division one players
1: the things that really impresses me about bennett as a program is when you say 10 consecutive 20 plus win seasons look at their schedule right this is not a program not to name names but you know the teams out there that have numbers like that and who they're playing yeah bennett plays just a monster schedule every single year
0: And and again, I'll go back to that number. You you mentioned 20-plus wins. That's 25.5 wins a year, so that's pretty remarkable. Bogan is next on the list. Arthur Goodwin took over the program right at the start of the decade. And, I mean, Bogan simply wasn't a power. They've become a power in the city and now as we've seen in the state. So he won a city title in 2015, eight regionals in the decade, a couple of sectional titles. And, of course, the state runner-up finish, which I think kind of, wouldn't you say, is kind of the seal of approval for the Bogan program.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I think best is yet to come maybe for goodie at Bogan.
0: Uh, We've talked a lot about Curie, Mike Oliver, and, and, and those teams. And this is the case where they were a very good program prior to the decade. But they went to a different level. We mentioned Cliff Alexander's team. They then won a state title after Cliff left in 2016, finished third in the state last year. They've won four of the Pontiac Holiday Tournament titles this decade. Uh, Before the decade, they had never even seen a title game in the city, in the public league before. They reached the city title game three times. They won one in 2019. They've done everything a power program has done this decade.
1: Someday, Mike Oliver will know he's truly made it at Curie. When everyone south of I eighty can pronounce his school's name correctly,
0: how do they pronounce it?
1: Like the Indian food. Oh, they all say curry. Really, it's crazy. Pontiac week too. Half of Pontiac calls him curry. Drives me insane.
0: Huh. I never heard that before. How did I not heard that? And you have.
1: You've never heard that. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of. Well,
0: maybe I didn't pay attention.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they call it they got curry. Like man, it drives me nuts.
0: Uh, God. or, yeah. or Lou Adams took over once a decade, had started, you know, he had, um, a nice little run. He, he became a, uh, Englewood. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know, or is really my thing with or Mike is the upgrade in talent. Now everybody's going to say, Joe, come on. They, uh, <laughs> they have five, four or five new guys every year and yes, yeah, they've had their share of transfers. I get it. But uh, at the end of the day, they've won three state titles in a program that really didn't do anything prior, you know. And he finished fourth, in, kind of forgot about it. He finished fourth in 2013 and third in 2014 before the 2017, 2018, 2019 titles. You know, uh, so, yeah, they, they've, they've turned the corner and become, you know, one of the premier programs in the city.
1: Yeah, five years ago, if you would have taken money on will or be closed – or winning consecutive state titles, <laughs> everyone would have picked closed.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they've had some fanfare, you know, to go along with, you know, with their the movie documentary and some things. You know, they've gotten a lot of attention, but you know, that, that was not an easy job that <laughs> that Lou took over. Mor- Morgan Park, uh, maybe. Here's a question, Mike. Before I finish the last, what about the program of the decade? Is it Morgan Park or is it Simeon? Simeon?
1: Yeah, they won. the fo- Yeah, I mean, it's been re- it's getting a lot closer, though. Uh, it got a lot closer. At the- yeah, yeah, it's, I mean,
0: it's, it's Simeon. Crazy. I mean, not to take away from the 3A titles, but yeah. uh, they have been the premier program in Class 3A. Just titles in 13, 14, 17, and 18. Uh, I, I put together, how about this, all... Morgan Park team of the decade. Io DeSumo. Mike won't like this team because there's not enough bigs. But Io DeSumo, Charlie uh, Moore, Adam Miller, Josh Cunningham, Marcus Lavette and Kyle Davis is your sixth man. That's pretty pretty special group there. Second most wins in the decade behind Simeon. Uh, you know, Morgan Park has had their, you know, way back decades ago, you know, a pretty good program. But it is not... Uh, anywhere near what it, what it is right now?
1: Yeah, you put Lamont Walker on that team, and I'll, they might win like some games, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Niles North, you know, this is one that's kind of out of the box a little bit, and they haven't done a. T- I mean, it's not like they've won a title or been to Peoria. I get that, I'll bet, but you have to first take into account what Niles North was before Glenn Olson took over the program right at the start of the decade, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Get this, Mike. Prior to the decade, and there's a 45 year history, okay? One regional title in 45 years, two 20 win seasons in 45 years. Decade comes, Glenn Olson takes over, four regional championships, the first ever sectional title. But more so than that, you know, that's not, that's a little lightning in the bottle there with a sectional title. It could be for anybody, but eight. 20 plus win seasons after two for 45 years. So they've averaged 20, 21 wins a year. Uh, and they're probably, you know, on their way to a 20 win season this year.
1: Also produced an NBA player. Unlike a lot of teams. In
0: the yeah. States. Yeah. Abdel Nader came out of Niles North. Um, you know, the last two kind of feed into what we just talked about. Geneva, pretty futile basketball history, previous 25 years before the decade, they had a couple of regionals and three 20-win seasons, no sectionals, about this, 11 seasons of single-digit wins. Woo. So uh, that's, 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 that's pretty futile. So Phil Ralston comes in, uh, and the decade has now included, over 10 years, an average of 22 wins a year, school record last year of 32 wins. Six 20-win seasons, three regionals, two sectionals, and they made it to Peoria with a fourth-place finish. So that, that's, that's some heavy lifting for a program that really had done nothing. And I don't know if you, you know the, the same kind of deal here. Riverside Brookfield, um, pretty nonexistent high school basketball program for a lot of years. Uh, I I went back hundred and two years with, with RB basketball. Uh, but didn't do a whole lot in ten decades, Mike. Ten decades, five 20 win seasons. Uh, a few regional titles here and there. And then this decade, eight 20-win seasons, they averaged 22 wins under Tom McCloskey and Mike Ryan Gruber, four regional titles, won the school's first ever sectional championship, most school history, most wins in school history. Um, and and also kind of establish themselves as the preeminent summer event, summer shootout in um, in the state of Illinois with the RB, Riverside Brookfield shootout in the summer. New
1: coaches that well, kind of, that's kind of interesting. You know, Ralston left Geneva after all that success. Um, It'd be interesting to see how things go without him, and with Ryan Gruber taking over at RB, that was kind of a long time in long time coming. So. They have not really missed a beat, but uh, that is quite a look. Joe, I, I would just like to, on the behalf of all of our listeners, thank you for this work, um, <laughs> all this stuff over the decade, the, the last, you know, just to have that, you know, for the record, for future people long after we're, we are gone, I think will be very helpful. And that is not something that, I, you know, I ever would have been able to accomplish during football season <laughs> or even without football season, because I just don't have that kind of uh, research blood in me.
0: Well, time. and it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're doing this in, you know, other states. You know what I mean? Not, the, not, not me. I'm just saying people, the, there's a need to do it because I think people care about high school basketball. And, and uh, it is a debate and it's fun conversation and dialogue. And a lot of states, I think, as we know, don't really care so much about high school basketball.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. And I'm glad we, got, we had a dead week. This worked out really well, because I'm glad we got to get this on the podcast. So that is in the books. Wouldn't it be amazing if we are doing this in 2029? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Boy, will I be old. Okay. What are the odds? I have, the odds of that are... <laughs> hmm
0: year six, fifteen, sixteen 16 of the podcast i wonder
1: what they'll call it then we'll, we'll probably have to be on video but <laughs> despite uh, not wanting to um all right the week ahead is pretty good we're gonna hit it real quick here tuesday it's like the second loaded tuesday of the season which just kind of annoys me in a way um st rita loyola bogan is at curie Simeon Kenwood, Richie Thornton. Kind of a low-key good game here is Barrington at Buffalo Grove. Fenwick is at Notre Dame. I'm sure a lot of people will be at that one. Fremd is at Rolling Meadows. And then a very big one, Niles North is at Evanston. Wednesday is a little bit more low-key, but some good ones. Farragut's at Marshall. Lincoln Park is at North Lawndale. Lincoln Park kind of needs a big win and a test here to keep their lofty rankings. Westinghouse is at Young. The Dolphins are back in town. Taft is at Von Steuben. That's a, actually, they're going to play that at Northeastern. That's a big game in the white. This one's interesting. Glenbard West, I think we've talked a little bit about them, is at Lincoln Way Central, who picked up a big win um, a couple weeks ago. And Nequa Valley is at Bolingbrook. Thursday is kind of thin. Hyde Park at Simeon. Kenwood at Curie. And then another good game in the white, Phillips at Dunbar. If you haven't checked out Phillips' record, you should. I've been hearing some good things about them. Friday. The Jesuit Cup. It's at Loyola at the Gentile uh, Center Arena, whatever it's called. Is Loyola against St. Ignatius? St. Rita's at DePaul. Wabonzi Valley, who I guess we did not talk about, who just you know dominated Marian Catholic in Moline the other day. Wabonzi Valley is at Naperville Central. Naperville Central is a team just on the cusp of the rankings. We haven't talked about them a ton, but it's also interesting to me not to go too off on them neighborhood center is also keeping like four teams out of the rankings because they've beat them and they're right on the cusp. So they're, they're an interesting team. Uh, Barrington is at Fremd, Uh, Schomburg is at Palatine. This is a, a really big one up North. I haven't decided where I'm going, but it might be this one. Mundelein is at Stevenson. Massive one in that conference. Lane is at Lincoln park. North Lawndale is at Westinghouse. Then the one of the best publicly games of the year. Young, at ore, especially when it's at ore. This is an unranked, hungry ore team. That's going to be a really interesting game. Then, maybe the biggest Oak Lawn, Oak Forest game ever, do you think? <laughs> Oak Lawn at Oak Forest at 630. Joliet West is at Oswego East. Oswego East is another team on the cusp of the rankings. This is a really good team now that Sam Schultz is back. And then Glenbard West is at Oak Park. So it's a pretty strong Friday. Saturday, not so great again. Uh, Yorkville Christian is at Clark. If you live on the west side, I want to go see... Jordan shoot the shooter. That's a night game Saturday night. Yorkville Christian at Clark uh, down in Highland. It's sold out from what I understand. And the nightcap young and Simeon play St. Louis area teams. Uh, then there's a shootout at DePaul that is stacked with local teams. St. Lawrence is at HF Loyola, Sorry. is against HF Loyola against Viator uh, Fenwick against St. Pat's Marion Catholic Morgan Park. And then it t- finishes up with the host DePaul's Rams against Deerfield
0: busy week yeah it is some good stuff. well though. busy busy friday night it's too bad there's so many friday night but because there are some great great games friday night
1: yeah the rankings are going to be much easier for me i feel like after this week because some teams will have like done something that matters locally so i'm very much looking forward to that everyone right now your ranking is extremely precarious i'm about to post the newest ones we're on sunday and it's a hot mess of teams that all just lost or didn't play So I'm looking forward to some concrete results to talk about next week. We will dive into all that, and thanks for listening, everybody.